Uh, okay. Nice. Uh, you ready to get going? Yeah, fuck it. Let's get into this bitch. Let's do it. Uh, I'm Bobby Navia. And I am Dorian Weinzimmer. Welcome back, everybody, to uh, another week of the couch. Yeah. Part two in our Spider-Man series. It is part two in the Spider-Man series. Some might even call it Spider-Man 2. Some might even call it Spider-Man 2. Yeah. Others might call it Spider-Man 2 2004 because there's a bunch of Spider-Mans and Spider-Man sequels. So. Yeah. Um, okay, so last week we watched and recorded our uh, our review, our look back at Spider-Man 1. Yeah, it and, was a uh, retrospective. Retrospective, that's better. Yeah. Yeah. I should just let you talk. Fancify t- this shit. <laughs> take it away. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's what we did last week. So if you're interested in listening to that episode, it is up. Please listen to it. And uh, now we're going to get into Spider-Man 2. Uh, where do you want to start with this, Dorian? Uh, I want to start with Bruce Campbell. Uh, oh, okay. Steals the movie from everybody. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. I just wanted to get this out of the way because I was yeah. like, I watching that scene. I was like, I forgot. This is like, this might be like the best Bruce Campbell cameo. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, it's because he's in all of them. You know, he was the wrestling announcer in the first one who mm-hmm. names Spider Man. Right. Um, and uh, but this one just playing the just pretentious dickhead usher. <laughs> at the like New York Off Broadway Playhouse, yeah, perfect, really it's good. Perfect. I mean, just his his character, his delivery, his like visual comedy performance, the way he like uses the signs, yes, that are yes. next to him to, <laughs> to further, you know, just just uh, twist the knife. And then also, I love, and we'll get into this more, but um, Sam Raimi, like one of the signatures of a Sam Raimi movie is that he has to be torturing his lead actor. <laughs> like, like, I mean, both within the movie itself and over the course of physical production. I mean this in both ways. And, like, and yeah. it's the same thing. He tortures them on camera and gets a childlike, gleeful pleasure out of it. There is <laughs> lots of evidence of this <laughs> from all of his film sets. Um, but so he tortured Bruce Campbell for all of the Evil Dead movies. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, one, for instance, is in Evil Dead 2 when Bruce gets knocked back through all the trees um, mm-hmm. and it gets hit by like, you know, the, the evil force <laughs> unleashed from the Necronomicon. And it, uh, it drives him back through the forest, through all of these trees and shit. Um, this was a whole rig that was on like a forklift that mm-hmm. he was attached to this like cruciform kind of like <laughs> apparatus <laughs> that, you know, could then be spun around in circles and driven, you know, through all this, you know, through the branches and everything. And Sam Raimi demanded to be the operator of this vehicle so that he could personally <laughs> just torture Bruce Campbell. So good. With this thing. And, uh, you know, this is like all over all of his movies, but that's one of the big, you know, obvious ones of like, okay, he loves this shit. <laughs> but <laughs> Bruce says, you know, he remembers he's just helpless, just strapped to this thing. And Sam just like looking at him and just smiling. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> so the fact that also, you know, on top of this whole amazing, just how great the, uh, the little cameo is of Bruce Campbell that, you know, he being tortured by this director for so many years got to now take up the torch and got to torture the new main character, you know? Yes. Yes. Um, which was, uh, which was fun to watch as well. Um, you could, you could really, I think that's part of why the, the cameo makes such an impact is because you can really tell he's, uh, he's really relishing the opportunity mm-hmm. and, uh, and making the most of it. <laughs> so. um, yeah. I, I just uh, had to get that out of the way first. Cause I was so, uh, astonished. <laughs> no, I really, um, uh, in this movie, you know, uh, I guess to kind of kick it off, like Spider-Man, Peter Parker is really, he's getting like kicked in the teeth a lot in this movie. I, f- I actually kind of forgot. There's like this whole sequence where it's just like, uh, you know, just nothing is going right yeah. for this character. Dude, it's the all. whole movie. Like, it never... There's definitely... The, I know the sequence you're you're referencing directly, yeah. but it's every opportunity Sam Raimi gets to just, like, <laughs> make him look like an idiot or just, yeah. like, embarrass him or, you know, have some sort of physical slapstick, uh, you know, slight tragedy befall him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's he, he doesn't miss a beat. It's just like all over the place. And yeah. um, it's it, like I said, that's signature Sam Raimi. And I love that on like a giant budget movie, 
he's still fucking doing <laughs> he's this just shit. doing it yeah, yeah. He's just doing it like even at the beginning when he's like trying to deliver those pizzas and he comes yeah. out of the fucking broom closet and there's just like what is that oh like? my god that was so good yeah it's like 45 seconds yeah of, i'm just I mean, playing like, with broomsticks <laughs> it's like this is like a tight two hour like superhero summer blockbuster you know yeah, and we're gonna devote like almost a full minute, if not a full minute, of runtime <laughs> to this broom gag. Um, yeah, and it's delightful. <laughs> it's so good. It was so good. Yeah, I kept thinking and it's about the start of the movie. <laughs> I kept thinking about your uh, your um, your comment you made last week about you know uh, Raimi's inspiration being the Three Stooges. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Like that's all I could think about was that sort of like clever and comedic like slapstick of just you know coming through the broom closet and you know that not being the funny thing but the funny thing is is he can't close the door you know like um to get to get to deliver uh, these pizzas and stuff mm-hmm. um yeah i mean i guess i'll well we've already started but to continue starting off this conversation uh this is a fucking great movie man okay this is going to be my question to you right now dude it's Ra- was, so good <laughs> was I remember last week you said that when you first saw this movie, yeah. that you you remembered not being like uh, liking it that much. You thought it was good, but I, that it didn't go yeah. above like the first one. Go ahead. I liked it. The first one just stood so tall in my mind, you know. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. This like objectively might be the better movie. Okay. All right. Um, yeah. It's okay. First and foremost, like I said, the cinematography is so much better in this film than it was in number yes. one. Um, yes. This yes. Was, uh, this one was shot by Bill Pope. Okay. Um, who had uh, previously shot Army of Darkness and Darkman with uh, with Sam? Oh Raimi. yeah, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then he shot the Matrix movies and all three of them. And he's done um, yeah tons of other stuff. But so he came back. He re collaborated with Sam Raimi and shot this one. Whereas uh, I think the guy's name was John Burgess uh, that shot the first one. Uh, Don Burgess. Don Burgess. Yeah. And, Don Burgess. Uh, you could tell the difference. It yes. was. I mean, especially in these 4K. I, I should also mention we didn't really talk about this. These 4K transfers are pretty stunning. Yeah, they're really great. They look unbelievably good. And I, uh, I was reading up on them a bit. They are true 4K uh, scans of the film elements. They did. Oh, a, nice. Uh, yeah, they did a whole 4K remaster that came out on Blu-ray like a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Where they they did it was a full like yeah we went to the original film you know elements and scanned them at full resolution there's no upscaling or anything like that uh, true 4K and all that so they then used those they put them out as Blu-rays and then a couple years later or whatever they used those 4K masters to make the 4K discs and you know digital okay. release that we have so you know they did like an HDR pass on it and um, and all that shit but uh, yeah so the results are excellent I mean it really looks very filmic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, uh, the first one was, uh, pretty grainy, uh, yes. which I didn't really mind. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of thick. Sometimes it was a little, uh, obnoxious how much there was. And in general, I just thought the cinematography wasn't just as like solid, you know, shot to shot frame to frame as part two is, um, mm-hmm. part two is like, all of that is like so much. And, and also number one um gets extraordinarily dark at times uh there were there were parts of of spider-man one that i thought were actually like like too dark too dark and okay. i've got a pretty high tolerance for that um, <laughs> I, I imagine some of it was to mask a little bit of vfx stuff because it was definitely you know uh, like okay. that during some of the more you know action-driven scenes yeah and uh so i imagine there might have been some trepidation there but then on part two they might have just had more confidence and the technology had developed a little bit more um, they just really knew what they were doing. You know, they didn't have to start from the ground up. They could build off of what they already had from one and improve on it. So I'm sure they were able to, you know, probably move further ahead with it. Um, right. Because part two definitely, I felt, was much better balanced. Even even the scenes that were bright or, like, daylight or at night, um, just the, within those scenes, it was a much, like, more balanced nighttime look and a much more, like, uh, dynamic daytime look. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you could really tell it was like the, in the first one, all the daytime stuff is pretty flat to be honest. Yeah, it's yeah. really just sort of like even light across the entire frame or it's nighttime and it's like actually kind of hard to see a little bit. Right. Right. Um, so, you know, and that's just like a different, you know, cinematographer. Some people like that sort of harsh realism. Some people go for that more sort of like, you know, like Bill Pope in two goes for much more of that kind of like cinematic 
you know, let's right. let's do movie nighttime, you know, and let's do movie daytime where it's like we still have that contrast. We still have light and shadow and like, you know, highlights and, and shadows and things like that within our shots. It's not just like mm-hmm. all dark or all bright. Um, so, yeah, I really appreciate that. I thought this, you know, even just sort of some of the framing of even just sort of like conversational over the so- over the shoulder type of shots. Um, yeah, I thought it was much better, much more compositionally, you know, uh, um, uh, polished in this movie mm-hmm. than it was in in some scenes in the first one. So, and then yeah, seeing this 4K transfer, it was like the grain was much smoother. It was mm-hmm. uh, much less present. It still looked like film and felt like film and had that that grainy organic quality to it, but it was just like just the right amount, you know? Right, right. So yeah, it's uh, I mean this this one's a real. Uh, like one looked fan- fucking fantastic. I was really, really impressed. But the two is like this is beautiful. Yeah, I mean yeah, it's yeah. It really and uh, dude the uh, the Atmos mix that they did uh, uh-huh. for these is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it's so cool. I like when I turned on. I mean, one again, one sounded really, really good. But two, it was like they just kind of like refined everything a little bit more. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, when I was watching too, I was like, man, I wish Bobby could like watch this over here because I know he'd appreciate like how good this sound mix is. Yeah. It's fucking awesome. Like just, you <laughs> know, the, nice. the title screens when the music, the Elfman music comes up and stuff yes. and all that. It's like, dude, you just like, I'm, I'm in the movie theater right now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like that just <laughs> grandiose. <laughs> uh, um, I like that. Uh, you mentioned the title sequence. I, I liked the, uh, the retelling of the story, the first one in the title sequence. Yeah. Uh, I saw with uh, the also, Alex Ross art. Yeah, Alex Ross did all those uh, uh, all those paintings and stuff, which was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I, I like that too. It was neat as well. How you know, whereas the first one just kind of had like all the webs and stuff like that, which was really cool, just from a thematic level. Like we were all excited to see Spider Man, and it was just kind of like pulling us in to its web, literally right from the start. Yeah. Um, but this one, it was it was kind of neat how it was. It felt like it was kind of referencing the idea that there's like a whole new Spider-Man mythology kind of being built right here. Yes. And that we're like building and expanding upon that. Like like now, what happened in the previous film is just like a comic book panel. It is that like I we've made this iconography. You mm-hmm. know, we have these like moments and images like the upside down kiss and things like that that are like those are our part of like our symbolism and like iconography that we've built for our Spider-Man mythology. And then right. like in, sort of in the movies. Yeah, exactly. Right, and then sort right. of like encasing them within like a comic book panel, um, mm-hmm. kind of like has this realm that it's like, it's kind of inseparable, you know, they're just, just like the comic book has a million different, var- you know, the comics have a million variations on Spider-Man and that whole story. Um, you know, this movie, why should it kind of be any different, you know? Right, it's just right. another one of <laughs> of these, but you know, it's it's kind of got its own thing going on in some ways, and and so I thought that was that was really cool, um, you know, kind of subtext that they added to uh, the the sequel here, and I think also you know it's that the first one was you know well regarded enough as well that it, it was sort of accepted as well. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> as as being its own kind of like canon or mythology within the the broader Spider Man multiverse i guess since they've already yeah. applied that term to their you know movies now <laughs> um well i'm good i'm or glad that you it, i'm sorry i'm yeah. glad that you uh, like the movie dude it's so good <laughs> like it's it's really just it's a fantastic movie yeah um it it really it, it's nuts it's like this is everything that like every sequel aspires to be but very yes. few actually accomplish which is to like mm-hmm literally it actually just builds upon and improves upon everything in the first one yeah um yeah. there's there's nothing here that's like inferior to what they did in the first film but it never feels like it's just trying to be the first movie all over again Mm-mm. um it definitely like you know it, it moves the story in like a new direction that's also like very believable with this character and keeps like his kind of like human fallibility as like the core conflict of the film yeah um which i really appreciated so much and like it of course got me thinking about like three and you know it's been widely discussed that you know just too many villains you know fucking three mm-hmm. villains and shit it's just it's absurd right which, which is entirely true but you know what that's really indicative of is like they they took the central conflict of the film from like an internal place to an external place you know, right. like the central conflict of three is, you know, there's three guys. <laughs> um, 
Right. Uh, yeah. You know, and then whereas this one, the central conflict is still very much Peter Parker struggling with becoming Spider-Man and like kind of dealing with the repercussions of that in his personal life that were well established <clears throat> in the first film. And, you know, they grow from here and gain further complexity and ambiguity within them. Um as a result of this and it's just yeah it's it's just wildly impressive how effortless it looks you know yeah it's, after it, um what do you call it after you know they have the accident in the laboratory the the auto octavius accident mm-hmm. and like after um i want to touch more on uh this this scene maybe next but after he escapes from the hospital uh, uh there's a chunk of the movie where uh we don't even like see octavius anymore like he just sort of he sort of just drops off and we're we're left to kind of deal with the drama of just Peter Parker's life, not Spider-Man, uh, yeah. not not Spider-Man stuff, you know. And mm-hmm. I totally like after for a while I was just, uh, I remember asking myself while watching it, like, damn, we're just like it feels like, you know, the character of Octavius just dropped off. But like, it's kind of cool that we're just hanging around and having to deal with his life. Mm hmm. It almost felt kind of like uh, like another villain he was like battling in the movie yeah. as well, you know? Totally. Yeah, exactly. And it's like that's the one that's really like the harder one to overcome because it's kind of like he's going to be struggling with it forever. You yeah. Know? It's never going to be like this. It's never going to be this totally like black and white morality or like decision making kind of, uh, you know, lifestyle that he's going to be living. <laughs> right. Everything's exactly. going to have this kind of, you know, because I, I really liked all those moments, too, where it's like even when he goes in and saves that kid from the burning building. And then comes out and like one guy congratulates him and then they're like, oh, there was a person on the fourth floor as well. And they're definitely didn't make it out. Yeah. It just you know, kept, it was hit, just, kept hitting them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's once again, like Sam Raimi just shitting on his main character. Um, oh, one more thing on that point real quick. I forgot to. Yeah. Yeah. At the, at the beginning when he's on the college campus. And uh-huh. he drops all of his books and stuff. And as he's picking them up, he gets, like, nailed in the head by a couple of bags. Uh-huh. You can't see his face, but the second bag that comes through and hits him is Sam Raimi. I read that. that. I read bag. that. <laughs> <laughs> like, of course it is. <laughs> I like that they stepped it up with, uh, you know, we talked about in the first episode, the, uh, the kind of body horror that went along with uh, mm-hmm. Peter and Norman uh, first, you know, getting their their powers or their abilities in a way. And the scene where, you know, they reveal the arms and, um, you know, how they latch into his body and stuff was, it kind of gave me goosebumps when I watched it. I've totally forgot about the, you know, even just how that scene was like shot and stuff. Yeah. I was, uh, (laughs) I was cracking up during that scene too. Cause I was like, okay, how fucking heavy are these arms? You know, like, like, He's got that thing around his waist, but I'm like, other than that, these things are attached to him by, like, needles in his fucking spine. Yeah. You know? Like, <laughs> any weight that's not being supported around the waist is pulling on that. And, like, those things are, you know, the, later he uses the, the arms to, you know, like, move himself around. And, of course, he's got, like, support, you know, mm-hmm. uh, doing it that way. But, you know, there's plenty in the movie where he's just walking on his own two legs with these, like, giant things on him. And it's like, yo, that's yeah. got to it's gonna fucking hurt crush your bones you know like (laughs) um pretty wild but i also like the uh i love the you know the incredibly fragile tiny inhibitor chip you know (laughs) yes that's on the spine where he's like they're like oh you know couldn't it like basically take your brain over if you're letting it interface with your entire central nervous system and he's like oh of course it could that's why I put this tiny blinking inhibitor chip at the most vulnerable spot, completely unprotected by anything. Like, he's talking about the, you know, singing the praises of this metal that it's all encased in that's, like, non-magnetic and super strong and, like, all this type of shit. And then he's got, like, a, an inhibitor chip in, like, encased in plastic. Yeah. You know, at the t- and that's the whole, that's all that's saving his ass from being taken over by these things. So, of course, that breaks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing that should be most protected is just not. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, Otto's Otto's escape from the hospital is probably one of my my top favorite sequences in this movie because it's full on horror movie. Yeah. Oh, it's awesome. And it's fucking amazing it really is like that whole sequence is I, I, exactly i thought i'm glad you brought it up that was yeah. i thought the same thing i mean it's it's just sam raimi let loose it is full-on like evil dead sam raimi with just a couple hundred million bucks 
Yeah. And uh, man, even just the opening shot of it where that like, crane like pulls back to expose all the long tentacles on all the like stretchers uh, yeah. throughout the room and just kind of like sets the whole place up. And then the way that it, you know, because once he starts doing his thing, like he's his his style is so reliant on like establishing good geography at the outset. Mm-hmm. Um, because once he gets going, man, that camera is flying around the room. It's in like, you know, one spot after another um you know just just kind of like jumping around so you really got to like kind of have your bearings before you get into that kind of like craziness and he's right. so good at like sliding all of that in you know at the outset of a scene before like really just <laughs> pulling the ripcord on it <laughs> and uh man yeah it is so good and it goes on for a while too which i really yeah. loved as well it's like no man i got like i got like 10 years worth of like horror movies <clears throat> ideas stashed up that i haven't been able to put in anything and uh i'm just going to unleash them right here I thought it was pretty, um, you know, rewatching it again. I thought it was pretty, pretty intense, like that sequence. Yeah. And it's how I feel like it really pushes like the PG 13 ness. Cause there's a, you know, I, uh, the part where one of the doctors is running away and one of the arms grabs, grabs it, uh, grabs her by the foot or grabs one of the doctors by the foot. Um, uh, I could hear like the bone pop out. Yeah. Oh man. Like it just grabbed it and I just heard like a crunch and I was like, oh fuck. Like even just that little bit of sound design in that was like, you know, fuck fuck the the woman who's like scratching, you know, the 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 floor as she's being pulled away, like the bone popping out or crunching yeah. as that arm <laughs> grabbed. I was like, oh my god, it was yeah. Yeah, no, that I mean that scene is amazing. I love too the um the little like bone chainsaw that the one guy is yes. trying to get. It's yeah, yeah, that's yeah. A, that's the exact same sound effect as the chainsaw in Evil Dead in the Evil Dead movies. It's so good. It's yeah, it's the same chainsaw. There were some other sounds I felt like too that were pretty pretty similar and stuff, but it's you know, it's funny too cuz it made me think of um uh also La Louisiane in Inglorious Bastards. Oh, okay. Why? Well, I... Just a very similar kind of like kinetic action when everything does explode. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the way Tarantino uses the camera in that sequence and just like makes this like chaotic, just like brushstroke after brushstroke across this place <laughs> of violence. Um, the way that this played out, I, I, you know, I had never really, I guess, considered how similar in some ways that like uh, Tarantino and Raimi have to some of their action stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really cool. I mean, I, I love it in both instances, but it was just funny after watching that scene. I was like, man, yeah, actually, there's a lot of comparisons to be drawn between, yeah, how, how Raimi does this and. Uh, how Tarantino does it in that movie and, and some of his other films as well. Yeah, right, right, right. But that one in particular. My, uh, my, I remember when I saw it back in 2004, my favorite action sequence in it was um, after after Mary Jane gets kidnapped and the the fight that starts on like that clock tower with Octavius. Yeah. That goes to the train and just that entire sequence was like masterful for me. I was just like, I don't think I had seen anything... I don't feel like the world has seen anything like that big superhero wise. No, that was spectacle filmmaking at its like to- at its absolute peak. You know. Yeah. That I remember. Yeah, that was you know, it was still mind blowing to watch. Like it was still yeah. like this is a really good fight scene. I mean, you know, all yeah. the actions like really clear. Um, mm-hmm. it's you know even I gotta say like uh, you know, getting into talking about some of the action stuff like. Okay, there's definitely a, a handful of moments where you know the CGI was a little over ambitious. Oh um, yeah, yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. But on the whole, I was actually pretty impressed with how good most of it looked. Mm-hmm. Um, again, whereas in the first one, it was more so like, well, yeah, the stuff nowadays isn't really that much better. Um, right, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah uh, this one was actually like, kind of, I'm kind of fine with this. You know, <laughs> like um, there, you know, there were a couple scenes where we got a little too much into. I'm just watching two video game characters, you know, because it's just like two CGI guys. Right. Just yes. Fling, just flinging stuff, which is kind of my least favorite part of any movie ever. <laughs> uh-huh. um, so you know, but you know, they did a really good job of of breaking up the action enough where it was stuff that they could do practical. You know, I felt right. like there was a really good eye towards keeping a balance between those two things within those action sequences, where it was like mm-hmm. we always we always get a good look at the actual actors, you know, doing something pretty regularly throughout you know these scenes. Right. Um, they don't just go like, okay, at this point we're in CGI land and that's just from here on out. It's just crazy town, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. 
So, yeah, I thought, again, you know, for managing the needs of, like, the blockbuster and the character, you know, stuff that just literally you could not have a person do, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, there's going to be no shortage of that in any superhero film. So you have to expect some some level of full-body CGI. You know, it's <laughs> right, going right. to happen at some point. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it's it's all just comes down to, like, making the right decisions with that in mind. You know, like, how you deploy that and how you kind of balance it out within your scenes and everything. I thought they just, again, they kind of, like... Honestly, I feel like they wrote the book on it with this movie. No, they definitely know? did. They de- they yeah. really, really, really did. The whole, yeah, the train sequence. I just even remember, like, parts where when he's trying to stop the train and he's got, like, a bunch of the webbing coming out attaching to the buildings. I mean, there were parts of those buildings that, like, it actually looked like a, a building prop, like, you know, on yeah. a set where, like, pieces were being pulled out and it just wasn't a CGI building with CGI bricks and shit like that. It's like little shit like that is something that you just don't see anymore mm-hmm. where it's like, we're going to build the face of a couple building windows and attach, you know, webbing and, you know, pull it out uh, yeah. and insert it into the scenes. It was just like, no one does that. Like, you know, and yeah. I've, I've watched a lot of superhero movies, you know, they're, they're kind of like my, my bed and my bed and brother, but it was so great to see, uh, you know, attention paid to those little details to keep the action grounded in some sort of realism and re- and realism for the for the action sequence. Yeah, yeah, and the uh, the moment where he where Spider Man's falling and launches the uh, uh, broken hand from the clock tower back up at Doc Ock on the top of the clock. Oh tower. yeah, it's still like just one of the coolest moments in an action movie ever. <laughs> like, <laughs> it is <it's> awesome. <laughs> um. But, uh, but yeah, no, and, and the lengths they went to to do as much practical just with Doc Ock's tentacles as well was, like, super fucking cool. I mean, I remember reading a lot about it when the movie came out, mm-hmm. um, but then just watching the movie again, I mean, there's so many scenes where you could tell they went out of their way to do these practical, and, like, it pays off so much, like, yeah, dude, some of the shots, too, where it's just, like, you know, it's even just, like, a close-up or, like, medium close-up on his, like, head and shoulders, and you just see, like, one or two of the tentacles just, like, out of focus in the background, even. They just, oh, man, they just look so good. And you just wouldn't get that, you know, with uh, if you just CGI'd that shit. It's, like, you know, that type of shit, too. It's, like, why shoot him in front of a green screen? Why not just put up, like, actual fucking tentacles behind him and just get the shot, you know? Like, yeah, exactly. Do it right. Yeah, but, yeah. but nowadays, it's, like, they're shooting so much on green screen already that it's, like, it makes more sense not to go to a location for these days. Just shoot that in front of a green screen, too, and we'll just add it to the pile of VFX work to be done. Right, um, right. But, uh, yeah, you can really, you can really, really tell in this movie, especially with this, like, 4K transfer and just how well shot the movie is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it never, it never feels like they're trying to hide anything from you, you know? Right. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's Yeah. But. Let me ask. Let me ask you a question, um, because the way that I've been watching both of these movies is in the is you know in the mindset of being a part of the MCU. Okay, because hmm. um, I've watched all like like that's that's what superhero movies like are now are those movies. Yeah. Okay, so and I love those movies. Um, they're they're really really great, but. It, um, like we like I mentioned to you in the you know for when we did Spider-Man 1 you know there's there's just like a purity to you know these two movies now that with them not being connected to anything you know um yeah and so there's no alternate universe you know there's no uh, uh Samuel Jackson at the end of this saying you know come <laughs> join us you know was- that I was so happy when I got, when the first one ended and the credits started rolling and I was like, oh, I should fast forward. And I was like, wait, no, 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 this is before any of that bullshit. There is nothing at the end of these credits, but a black screen, you know, you could just leave and be fine. And like a piracy warning, you know, like that's that's all that's ahead of me. Uh, Sorry, please go ahead. No, 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 no. Um, But uh, I'm wondering if you think, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to say that, um, you know, like. I'm not trying to say that James Wan and Sam Raimi are the same, you know, <laughs> director or anything, okay? But I'm wondering if there's a particular sort of comparison I could make to specific directors taking that fun comic book, like, this is just, this is a comic book, yeah. and taking it to, like, an even more insane level, like James Wan did for Aquaman. And I would say, I know you haven't seen it. You probably won't, but I would even put uh, Taika Waititi's Thor Ragnarok in there. Mm-hmm. Because Thor Ragnarok, it's a fucking silly movie. Like, yeah. it's, I feel like it's more of a comedy than it really is, 
you know, this serious movie that needs to be connected to this giant universe, you know? Um, so I, I, I wonder what you think about, what you think about that? Like, yeah, well, well, having only seen, uh, one of the two movies you brought up, yeah. I have not seen Thor Ragnarok, but I have seen Aquaman or, mm-hmm. uh, Aquaman as I like to call it sometimes. <laughs> uh, I, I also see him regularly on, uh, uh, on my wife because she has two Aquaman t-shirts that I got for her at C2E2 last year <laughs> that I started, I had to search a long time. I was getting stressed the fuck out trying to find You're a good Aquaman man, Dorian. <laughs> anyway, um, she wears those as like nighttime, you know, after work, she's just like, doesn't work out. And then it's like chilling on the couch. She'll throw on mm-hmm. these, cause they, you know, they're not like good t-shirts. They're ill fitting mm-hmm. and whatever. So. <laughs> but the one thing they got going for him, they do have Jason Momoa on them uh mimos yeah so anyway so i see aquaman kind of chilling on my couch fairly regularly Uh, (laughs) and i and i'm not against it uh you know so anyway uh i've only seen the movie once though but you know aquaman yeah is full you know to borrow a phrase from tropic thunder is full retard yeah you know like (laughs) aquaman is 100 (laughs) percent full retard and i and i do appreciate that about it you know i did i do like the fact that it doesn't take itself seriously at all Mm -hmm. um it's just it is what it is jason momoa as fish man you know like yeah with guitar riff and everything yeah Um, and and i love that you know somebody that self-aware about it really yeah again had kind of had that playground so i see the similarity for sure once again because it was like james wan just got to be james wan on like a 200 million dollar budget you know yeah right that's that's cool (laughs) um because once again aquaman he wasn't beholden to shit either they could do whatever the fuck they wanted with that movie um i think if they could burn the justice league film that exists they probably would so there's no (laughs) continuity whatsoever um right but anyway, so yeah, definitely see the comparison there, though. I guess what what's so remarkable about this movie, though, is that it is able to, while, while still being that and having, yeah, like these broom closet scenes and, you know, fucking taking every chance possible to have Spider-Man fall on his ass, whether it be physically or emotionally or socially. Yeah. Um, which this movie does to a <laughs> completely unnecessary degree. Um you know, that it still does retain this kind of incredible emotional weight, though, when it wants to. I mean, like, the gravity of Uncle Ben's death, you know, is still present yeah. throughout it as, like, a really, really, like, borderline traumatic moment, you know? Even for the mm-hmm. viewer, that it's just like, Jesus, this is really rough. Like, when they bring it up, um, even then, you're just like, oh, God damn it! I was hoping we could just, like, move past this. <laughs> I don't <laughs> I've already been sad about this once in the past week, you know. Yeah. Um but man, I mean that scene when he confesses to Aunt May like everything oh, yeah. that night. I mean that is a fucking that's a really good scene. Mm-hmm. And uh and again, I think even further enhanced by the fact that it's done like a good filmmaker would do it where he doesn't get in the way of the actors with cinematography or music. There's right. No music in that scene. The camera doesn't fucking move once. You know, it's it's a master in two close-ups, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think close-ups of, like, a slightly tighter focal length. Right. Um, so they could get a little little bit closer as the scene intensified a bit. But, I mean, that was it, you know? It's like most blockbusters nowadays. If there's anything approaching an emotional scene, there's, like, a big music swell. The camera's, mm-hmm. like, pushing in, you know, on this big dolly move. You're on, like, a 700-millimeter <laughs> lens, like, on a fucking mountaintop. <laughs> You know, it's like two people sitting in like an outdated dining room. <laughs> yeah. In the middle of the day, fucking talking. And he trusted the actors to be good enough to fucking carry the scene. And Rose, uh, Rosemary and Harris's reaction to him is uh, telling it is really yeah. great. Yeah. Her facial, her eyes, everything is just really, yeah. really great. Dude, they fucking kill it. It's a great scene. And it didn't need any of that shit. It's just like, I, again, like. A director working at this level allowing a scene like that to be unadorned and just like as oh, yeah. na- as like naked as the moment should be is mm-hmm. so fucking impressive. Like that's I mean, and not only because I think it's just like great filmmaking, but like again, the level of restraint. It's like you have all the toys in the world. Oh, and yeah. I get it. And it's like when you do something that you're like, you know, a fucking kid in film school could set up this shot. And it's like, yeah, but there's a reason for that. Like it's a good shot. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't need all that extra shit. If if it's right for the moment, then, you know, that's the decision you go with. And just, like, 
being able to trust your instincts on that level and trust your um, your know-how and sensibilities and um, you know trust that that's still what's good even at this level right is, uh, is, is just re- really impressive you know it shows a level of just like incredible awareness and once again goes back to what I was saying last week about it's a Sam Raimi film you know like yeah he, that level of thought is there for everything you know everything has a purpose and a reason and he's known, of course, for, like, going crazy and off the rails with, like, the way he shoots stuff and edits things and just does all this, like, really inventive, creative shit. But, I mean, you can't forget, at the end of the day, he's he's a really, really good, disciplined filmmaker mm-hmm. who really fucking knows how to tell a story and knows the story he's telling. And, right. Um, it's just awesome. Again, I just feel like you don't really see that because there's, like, so much committee involved, you know, that it's, like, you don't get to trust, like, the one person's story tor- storytelling sensibilities Mm-hmm. Um, to really, you know, push it forward, and and again, like having one director do sequels after sequels, same actors, you know, you learn more and more how to work with them, how to get what you want out of them, how the dialogue needs to be tweaked for them and their performance of the act, a character, the way that you need to light them to really sculpt their faces to match the kind of emotions or tones you want to go for scene to scene. Right. Um, it's it's cool. You can see you see that stuff building. You know, it's like. And, uh, you know, this one feels like such a amazing step in all those regards. goes back to what we were saying at the beginning. It's just like, this is what every sequel aspires to be. It's it's an actually just an improvement on everything about the first one. <laughs> uh, uh, the, mo- the movie, as you're talking about, like, character and, you know, uh, same actor, same director, all that kind of stuff. The yeah. movie was um, co-written by Alfred Goh, uh, Miles Miller, Miles Millar. And um, and Alvin Michael Shaben, Michael Shaben, yeah, yeah. I saw his name in the credit. I've totally fucking forgot about that. I was like, what a brilliant move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And at the time that this movie came out, Alfred Go and Miles Millar, I believe, were the showrunners, and also they were they wrote and created Smallville for the WB. Oh, okay. The the Superman show, which I think they left after like season five or something. I don't know how many seasons it went, but. There's a season where they left and afterwards, uh, it's not so good. But, um, you know, the first couple seasons of that of that show are like really, really, really good at basically doing what, you know, Raimi and company here do for Spider-Man, but with doing for Superman, which Mm -hmm. is, you know, actually actually dealing with the drama of like having these powers and should I reveal them and the toll it takes on like family and all this other kind of stuff, even though it's just in the small town of, you know, Smallville, Kansas and shit. Right. Um, so it was fun to like, you know, be reminded that they, you know, co-wrote the script with Michael Chabon and, you know, also know that they did Smallville as well. Like it, I could see like these really awesome, you know, uh, parallels between, um, between both, you know, between both, uh, the show and the movie nice that's really cool i didn't realize they were uh, the guys from smallville yeah 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 Which, Yeah, i never watched but I, I do remember hearing that yeah the first few seasons or whatever are, are really excellent yeah no they're good and uh i think it's the graphic novel uh superman birthright um uh, that uh, actually uses some of their uh their mythology that they built in smallville as a as a like a plot point or um uh, as Clark's past in, in this particular book. Yeah. Um, so it was really, really, really pretty good. Um, uh, getting close to the, to the ending of the movie, I started thinking about, uh, you know, you mentioned earlier about how, uh, you had the realization that you didn't have to fast forward the end credits to, (laughs) to get to some scene. Um, I, I also, uh, you know, when you're talking about, you know, uh, just filmmakers trusting their audience, trusting to get all of this stuff out. Um, it's been an interesting feeling watching these movies without having to go to the end of the credits, but also all the breadcrumbs that Sam Raimi drops towards the end of this movie in kind of like a Christopher Nolan fashion. I felt uh-huh. <laughs> like there's like just kind of how Nolan wraps up some of like the Batman movies, you know, with just like little vignettes of like characters, you know, and then we're, and then we're done. Yeah. Um, right. You know, uh, I thought the sequence with uh, James Franco hearing, you know, the the laughing of the Green Goblin coming in again was that entire sequence like done today would be after 15 minutes of credits. Yeah, right. (laughs) You know, it would be so good, you know, but uh, 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 I'm glad you brought that up when. um, Yeah. 
when yeah Harry discovers the Green Goblin Green Goblin Apple Store that's hidden behind the mirror <laughs> at his <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> father's townhouse or whatever. Like it's uh, it's pretty hilarious. Um, a nice glass shot. I'm like, when did he do this? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Um, it was a little bit of a weird moment for me though, just because it's like, what is triggering this like premonition that he's having right now? You know. Yeah. You know, like it's so specifically like a thing guiding him towards this mirror, you know, and like, hey, on the other side is the Green Goblin. It's like, well, he never had the serum, you know, he's not sure. I get it. He's mentally pretty drunk, fucked up right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But that doesn't mean like the ghost of your dead father is going to appear in the one exact mirror you need to throw something at to discover all of this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's yeah, it's yeah. just a little. Okay, sure. <laughs> you know, why not? Um, which again, with with what we end up doing in part three, I, I, I'm willing to bet this is going to be the least of my complaints <laughs> about yeah. the James Franco Green Goblin. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, you know, we'll see after we we get that one. But it was a little strange, and I I actually did read a piece of trivia on um, on IMDb that Willem Dafoe was not scripted to be in the movie. No, um, but that he uh, he happened to be walking home to like his apartment or something one day and walked by set and stopped by to say hi. And they were just like, hey, why don't we do this cameo thing? You know, yeah, and basically just like <laughs> threw him in. So, you know, and it kind of feels like it. it it's completely unmotivated. <laughs> I'm curious what their original idea was. If, he, you know, I would even have kind of preferred it if he was just in like a drunken rage and just started throwing shit around the room. You oh know, yeah, like that would have been it, and then just like broke the mirror and is like, "What the fuck is this?" Like that to me would have actually played a lot better. Yes, um, I agree. Yeah. So, so I kind of would have preferred that. Um, but, um, but yeah, I guess it does. This is a good kind of like launching pad for you know the couple slight missteps that I, I I will say, or just a couple things that I you know I, I felt like weren't as strong as the rest of this film because this film is so fucking strong, like. Yeah, From it's a tight. and structural standpoint, again, like the amount of ground it covers in two hours is wild. Yeah. And yet still manages to take minute long breaks to do broom closet fucking comedy <laughs> routines, you know, like pratfalls and shit. So <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, it's a fucking magic trick. I, I couldn't believe, I mean, I paused it for a cigarette maybe like an hour in or something. I was like, I, how do you do all of that in one hour and like make it good? You yeah. Know? <laughs> it's uh it's incredible and i think again it's building off of the first one so effectively that there's like you know there's so much it, it effectively uses the fact that it doesn't need to retell the story of the first movie you know like so many movies nowadays would spend 15 minutes retelling you the first one in case you didn't see it yeah right you right. know but this one like literally just it just starts you know and it's like no you, you should know everything from movie one because we're moving forward into movie two now Mm-hmm. In case you didn't see the big fucking two on the poster. <laughs> um, and I like that because uh, it allows them to do so much, you know, with the character and uh, with the with the runtime that they've got. But um, but so anyway, yeah, I still like I mentioned in the first movie, I still feel like Peter's intelligence is not something that really has any bearing on much of anything at all. It's just sort of like, oh, you're smart. Cool. Um, it's at this point, it's basically just a way for him to befriend the villain of the movie. Right. You know, yes. like Norman and Otto are both like, wow, this guy is a genius. I'm really impressed with him. And then they have to fight each other, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's like, that's all that's done. I felt like there was even kind of a wasted opportunity at the end of the movie that I felt like would have been really cool if when, um, you know, when, when Otto is finally kind of like starting to take back control and he's realizing what he's done and wants to help stop, you know, the, the tritium reaction or whatever the fuck the stuff was called. Mm-hmm. Um, that, uh, you know, when, when he's like, it's out of, it's self-sustaining now, you know, we can't stop it. If I would have actually thought it would have been a lot cooler if Peter had figured out that dropping it into the river would have been a way to stop it. Because, again, uh... that would have been like, then his intelligence is now playing. And then Doc Ock could have still sacrificed himself to do it. Been like, no, I'm going to do it. You know, that's right, brilliant. Right, right. You know, good, good idea. I'll sacrifice myself, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it, it kind of would have been another nice kind of like moment of you know, sort of tragedy of like, wow, if only these two had met under different circumstances, you know, that like yeah. they, they really would have collaborated really well as you got to see earlier in the film where, you know, you even got to see that, that dinner scene again, it was, it was kind of sad and felt like, like Sam Raimi being a little unusually cruel because it really <laughs> felt like him getting a glimpse of like the family life that he never had. 
Yes. Yes. Uh, Peter, you know, like, yeah. Uh, and, um, Anyway, yeah, all that stuff was so great. That was just like the one thing at the end. I was just when when Peter's like, "How do we stop it?" And you know, Otto is the one that's like, "Oh, we drop it in the river." I'm like, "Oh man, see if just give that line to Peter." You yeah. Know? And then all of a sudden, like his intelligence actually plays into <laughs> his his super abilities, and it does all this other stuff for character and their relationship and everything. You know, I thought it would have just been like a really cool kind of like moment they could have mm-hmm. done with the two of them. So you know, that's that's one thing that I still I'm like, man, yeah, him being smart is still just like. It's just like a, a, a narrative contrivance at this point, you know? When the, you kept, earlier in the beginning, you, when we were talking about him just being, you know, beat up a lot, uh, you know, with everything going on in the movie, you know, uh, I halfway through it, I was like, man, for a guy so smart, like, he's just really fucking dumb. Yeah. Like, there were some parts where I'm like, I feel bad even just thinking it, but like, he's just not, he's not a smart guy. And yeah. I was just like, for all of like the, you know, intelligence and you know him pretty much being a scientist like i was kind of wondering why he was just like missing little things like you don't know that if you put you know colors and whites in the washer and the dryer that yeah this is not gonna happen like this is a little dumb shit like that but you know it kind of echoed for me through the rest of the movie yeah and i think they were trying to feed into the whole house sort of like just distracted and you know not he's not all there right now you know he's very conflicted internally and just clumsy and shit as a result but yeah it's still sometimes you wonder like his spider sense and his like natural (laughs) incredible instincts would have kicked in you know yeah like with the broom closet before all those brooms fell over he would have had like a ding ding (laughs) ding and like you know before he knew it turned around and like you know pushed them all back or whatever yeah um little stuff like that but uh oh and then and also just speaking of uh, i forgot the other incredibly elongated awkward scene of him in the elevator oh Uh, yeah It's like I was sitting there like I multiple times was thinking, I can't believe this is still going on. Yeah. And then it would go on for like another 30 seconds. It just kept going. And I was like, this is amazing. I I love that. We're taking time for this scene right now. Right. In the middle of all this. shit, (laughs) It's great. Um, Um, So his intelligence you had, were there any other ones that you said you felt like uh, missteps? It did, and not really missteps, but I guess it just felt like a little too convenient sometimes. Where like Doc Ock kept showing, like showing up at the to rob the exact bank where he's at with Aunt May. You okay, know? All right. it, like little stuff like that, where it just felt a little bit like, as you were saying before, it did a really good job of like kind of we, we moved away from him and got to really just like kind of focus on Peter Parker's life for a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, the way that the script kind of like interjected him back in, you know, it was like a couple of times it got just like really really convenient feeling. Okay. It's like, okay. Oh, okay, they're just both here at the same time. Cool. You know, that's, I mean, that's <laughs> fine. Let's do this. But um, those were just, again, like just stuff that didn't feel like as impeccably tight and like brilliantly scripted as like the rest of stuff in the movie. You know, it's All a, right. a couple times where they're just little, little shortcuts or uh, whatever. But, um, but again, it was fine because again, the overall experience of watching this movie is, is fantastic. This is like everything a major like summer blockbuster movie should be mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's awesome it was like just fucking pure entertainment from beginning to end <laughs> uh so i got two more things yeah one uh when i saw this movie back in 2004 i distinctly remember loving the final shot of the movie mm-hmm. um you know it's a it's a happy ending, you know, Mary Jane and Peter, they're in the back window, yeah. in the window and it's all great. And, you know, we're flying through the air, but then to cut back to her and just have her have this very like unsure look on her face mm-hmm. was, I thought pretty ballsy for yeah. a superhero movie. Like, it's like, it was like the graduate ending. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. 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 No. Of like, all right, we've done this, you know, we've done this foolish. I bet that's like exactly what they were referencing. Like, Fuck, Hey, we're I just, we're just jumping that. in, you know, like we don't know, we haven't thought this through. It just, it feels right. Yeah. And then you kind of have that first moment where it like, it settles in like, okay, this is life now. Yeah. And you're just like, Hmm. <laughs> Shit. <Yeah. laughs> I don't know if this was the wrong choice, but I definitely feel less excited about it now than I did, say, five <laughs> minutes ago. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I felt the, the same way. Yeah, that uh, really, really awesome way to end the movie. And uh, mm-hmm. very cool. And once again, like, you know, did a lot to set up what could have been, like, a very cool third entry. 
Yeah, you know? no, I and agree. If, and if, you know, part three had, again, like how this sort of like, it, it amplified the magnitude of the internal conflict between the char- with the character. Mm-hmm. And it still had one villain. And like, sure, the villain was going, was threatening a larger swath of the city than the right. previous villain. Um, however, you know, it wasn't all about just like, there's more villains and they want to destroy, you know, now they want to destroy the whole state. Well, now they want to destroy the country. Well, now it's <laughs> yeah, the right. whole planet. Well, now it's the fucking universe. You know, it's like, you know, which it, 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 it's such a great setup that they have going into the third movie to continue to play this route of like amplifying the personal relation or, uh, uh, aspects of the character and now his relationship with Mary Jane and even like. I would have loved to see the third movie delve into playing her as a little bit more of a main character now, who we get to see That's true. internally yeah. a little bit more. You know, that like now it's Peter Parker and Mary Jane. It's not just Spider Man anymore. Yeah. Um, and like a movie that kind of you know, like a uh, like a before trilogy entry <laughs> with <laughs> but it's Spider Man and Mary Jane Watson, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um that I've I feel like would have been a way cooler approach to part three, but you know, you can't do that when you're making tentpole movies. And frankly, I think the fact that they made two as good as it is, is kind of a miracle. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, but yeah. you know, we'll probably never really see repeated <laughs> to this caliber. Um, I've been doing you know, uh... outside of like Terminator two, the other greatest sequel ever made. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, well, uh, hope everybody enjoyed our run through of Spider-Man two. Yeah, if you didn't get the message, uh, these movies are 100% worth watching again. In fact, like if the, the longer you haven't seen them in, the more reason to watch them again. Like they're yes. they're actually they're like I think they're even better now. I would I would agree with you. Yeah, they're better yeah. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cuz I think also just cuz we've, you know, at the time it was, you know, we were like spoiled when we got these. Like, like we, I, I don't know, you get these movies and it's like, well, you know, and then like the Batman begin, like the Nolan Batman movies were not too much longer after this. It was like a year later, 2005 ex- was Batman yeah. Begins. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. And so you just, ex- there was a point in time where you just expected like every superhero movie was like fucking amazing. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it was, and then now there, there's so many being made. They're just, they're fucking all over the place. You can't, you know, take that for granted anymore. And like, so it, it kind of realizing now what we were taking for granted back then makes mm-hmm. them even sweeter. You're just like, holy <laughs> shit. Like, wow, these guys really fucking knocked it out of the park, like right off the bat. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's weird to see, actually. You're like, how were you so good at this? <laughs> it's like, it's like right. we're fucking good storytellers, dude. That's kind of what we've been studying to do our entire fucking lives. You know? <laughs> so let us do it. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, yeah, yeah be on the lookout for uh, our our final final arc in this three episode yeah movie, yeah, movie watching i'm sure it'll be happening so i'm probably gonna watch spider-man 3 tomorrow so yeah i think i'm gonna watch it. it tomorrow as well perfect yeah so we'll be we'll be back at you with part three pretty soon oh yeah uh yeah. dorian thanks for doing this it's it's actually been my pleasure bobby <laughs> yeah i know and, i uh, say that <laughs> i know i say that every week but uh but these past couple episodes legit i, I really fucking love these movies they're great has a uh, small side note has hannah been watching them with you or you've been watching them solo nah watching them while she's working during the day gotcha okay cool, yeah cool, cool. she's not super, she's not really interested so <laughs> uh all right well yeah uh we will see you guys next week yep yep deuces